morning, everybody. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here at LifePoint. If you're a guest with us today, thank you so much uh, for being here. If you were here Friday night for our financial learning experience, then you know what I'm about to say. You got to get fired up. Anybody fired up? Yeah. Uh, one thing before we jump into the message today, Friday night we had this event here with an uh, incredible speaker, um, Joe Sangal. He is the president and uh, CEO of Enjoy Stewardship Services of I was broke now I'm not.com fully funded and there was another company that he runs that I don't know either and he's the author of many many books and he was here on Friday night for this event and there was this place was packed um, we had some amazing food brought to us by Aspen Creek Grill by the way it was amazing come on give it up for the food if you were here yeah check those guys out right over here on Bandera Road Hey, and listen, uh, it was fun, man. We had so much fun. It was like Joe was like a, a comedian, like a, like a motivational speaker, and a personal finance guru all wrapped into one. My wife and I have had multiple conversations since that of, of things that we got to change, that we got to get better at. And man, it was just amazing. The resources that he gave us uh, were incredible. Um, so what we want to do, for those of you who couldn't make it, as we want to make the, uh, the content available to you, we're not allowed to post this or make it, put it on Facebook or anything like that, um, but we can send this to you. There's a, we can send you a link to that. Um, you can see, uh, uh, you, can, you can email us at info at lifepointsa.com, um, or there's folks out in the, in the lobby who will wave at you on your way out, um, and, and with a clipboard, and get your, if, all we need is your email. We'll send you a link to that, and we'll give you a book. If you're here today, we'll give you the booklet that came along with it. Um, but also a lot of the resources are on IWasBrokeNowImNot.com. And man, I'm telling you, just fantastic tools. We're so fired up about just doing better. It's not that we're doing bad, but we're just doing, we just want to do better. And so we would love, love, love for everybody in our church to, um, to, to, to listen to that. It's a two-hour uh, seminar that he did, but it was funny. It was a lot of fun. We cracked up a whole, whole bunch, and you'll enjoy it as well. And you can take your time with it. But I really, really encourage you to email us at info at life.sa and say, hey, I want that link. Um, or see the folks out in the, in the front today um, who can help you with that as well. Um, we're starting a brand new series today called How Do I? Um, and then we're filling in the blank. Just some questions that people have that are tough, that are challenging. Um, and we want to try to help and, and maybe answer those questions. How, how many of you have ever had somebody in your life who's just done you wrong? Come on, just like wrong Wrong, wrong. Three of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, maybe somebody took something from you that belonged to you. Maybe it was a spouse that did you wrong. Maybe it was a parent or whatever. But you've been down that road where you're so bitter because of what somebody did to you. I, I remember years ago, um, I was in my early 20s, and I had been dating this girl for a long time. And, uh, you know, it was one of those relationships that was awful to every, and everybody knew it except the two of us. You know what I'm saying? Like their parents, like, please, dear God, you know? And so we'd break up about every other week, or anybody know what I'm saying with those kind of relationships? Like, oh, it's a Monday, we broke up, but we'd be back together on Wednesday. And, well, one day, um, we, she moved. We broke up, and she moved the next day. And so as it turns out, I found out that um, she, uh, a buddy of mine that I had gone to college with, um, that was my roommate, one of my friends, had kind of snuck in and, you know, yeah, snuck in and took, it, took, took that. So bad enough that you, 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 you lose your girl, um, but worse that it's your, your friend and your, your seminary, he, he was a seminarian with me, roommate, right? And, you know, hashtag bitter, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and so that summer I was out on tour uh, singing, and I'm at this event, 
And I'm up there, you know, singing about Jesus, you know, and I'm like singing and I'm like looking out and I see the dude in the crowd. And I'm like singing about Jesus, but like there's bile coming up in my throat like for this dude. And I'm like, I'm going to, after church, man, I'm coming at you, bro, you know, I'm coming at you. And uh, so like I walk off the stage after singing about Jesus, you know, and I say, dude, step outside, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, what am I going to do? You know, this dude's going to tear me apart, but I don't care. I'm like so mad and I'm so bitter. And of course, uh, it's funny now, um, we're good. We're actually all friends and, and it's fine, but, but it wasn't cool back then because I wanted vengeance. I wanted this dude to pay. I didn't know what I wanted him to pay, but I just... I wanted him to pay. And so today, we're going to talk about and we're going to ask the question and hopefully answer it a little bit. How do I forgive somebody who's hurt me? How do I forgive something that somebody's done to me that's horrible? Um, what, what does the Bible say about the question we're asking today? Do I have to really forgive people who've done me wrong? And how do I do this? And how do I forgive? Because some of the stuff, like my stuff, the story I just told is funny now. But some of the stuff that some of you have been through is not funny at all. And it's soul crushing. And how, how do I move on? And I want to say this with every bit of sincerity that I have, that I believe that today is going to be a game changer for some of you, that by the Holy Spirit's power and help, um, you're going to leave here transformed because of what God does in the hearts of lives of people who are open and willing to respond to him. I, I believe that there are a few of you that are going to have an encounter with God and his word that's going to change um, your life today. Did, did you ever have to carry something that was super heavy but have to carry it for a long way? Anybody ever have to do this before, right? Maybe it's like a suitcase and you know, you're walking through the airport because you're too cheap to pay the 25 bucks. Come on, somebody, you're like, your suitcase is this big and you're trying to jam it in overhead. And you're so cheap that you have a kid in there, right? Because you don't want to pay the ticket. And every now and then you open them up to get some air and throw in some goldfish or whatever. Like, you know, and you're, you're in, you're coming out and, and you're in E-terminal and you got to go to A-terminal and you're just cramping. And you put it on your shoulder and that starts to cut a bruise into you. I've done that before. And it's just miserable, right? Miserable to carry something heavy for a long way. You know, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are, there are people who, who travel light, right? Um, they would be men, you know what I'm saying? And then there's the other kind. Uh, I don't know who they are, but it's another kind. I'm just going to drop that right there and leave that. Um, you know, it's bad enough to carry something that's going to weigh your body down um, really bad, but, but who would ever sign up to carry something that is going to crush your spirit going to weigh down your soul, going to burden your heart. Who, who would do this? Who would be, let me say it this way, unintelligent enough to do that, right? I, I, have, I have this stone up here today. I don't know, it's eight pounds, nine, I don't know, 10 pounds. And I was carrying it from the parking lot because I forgot to bring one from home, you know? And as I was walking across the parking lot, I was like already getting a cramp in my pitiful right bicep. Um, but it's, it's pretty heavy, and I, and I can't imagine, like, wanting to carry this thing around all day, because eventually that eight pounds would feel like 80 pounds, and my muscles would freeze up, and I, would, I wouldn't even be able to use that arm. And, you know, we have these things that we call grudges, um, and we carry them around. And matter of fact, it's an interesting a bit of language that we use around grudges. We, 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 we speak about grudges almost like they're babies. We can say, like, I can hold a grudge, you know, I can, I can 
carry a grudge. I could put it on my shoulder and bear a grudge. Or, or, or even this one, um, I've heard people say, I'm nursing a grudge, right? And the reason you nurse something is to give it nourishment in order for it to survive, in order for it to grow. And so this, this rock here today is going to represent what we're talking about, unforgiveness, a grudge, like whatever it is that you would want to call it. And, and, and so when you, when, you, when you walk around, when you nurse the grudge, you try to give it life to try to help it grow. And, 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 and then you can, when, when, you, when you've nursed it, you keep it alive and you try to grow it. And you, can, you can grow it by feeding it hostile thoughts or, or angry feelings or distorted perceptions that you have that maybe nobody else has but you or feed it hostile intentions or jealousy until eventually, until eventually once was a baby little grudge turns into a full-blown, like full-grown grudge. And people will walk around and carry one of these things around for weeks or months or even years. And now you think that nobody would ever voluntarily sign up for this duty because that's heavy to carry a grudge and these things weigh you down and they don't really bring you joy and nobody says to herself or, or to himself, man, I can't wake up today. I can't wait to wake up today and, and, and carry my grudge all through the day. Like, this is gonna be a, an amazing day, me and my grudge. Let's make a song about it and play a little ditty. You know what I'm saying? No, nobody says that, but people, people do this every day in, in, in a warped, twisted kind of way the truth is, is that there's a little dark part of us that likes carrying a grudge because it make, makes us feel somehow a little superior to the person with whom we're carrying this grudge against. And that there's something about the, the righteous uh, indignation that props up my own sense that I'm a better person than the person who did this to me. Because I would never do what this person has done to me. But the truth is, is that Carrying the grudge will never contribute to your authentic joy. It will never make you a more loving person. In fact, it will lead you away from the life that you want to live, your best life. There's a little dark part inside of us, however, that likes to carry this grudge that makes us feel justified in why we can't stand or hate this person so much. And that's why there are so many people in the world who are, who are broken, who are not living a full life, because they're carrying around the stone. I, I like to bring a character from the Bible as often as I can when I'm talking about a topic. And I want to introduce you to a character in the Bible. He's, um, he's kind of obscure. You may have never even heard his name before. Even if you've read the Bible through, it wasn't a name that maybe jumped out of you. But he could be called maybe what we would call the patron saint of the grudge, right? Of unforgiveness, and his story kind of tells about how in the early days of the downward spiral of the human race, revenge and grudge bearing gets its spirit, gets its start. And his name is Lamech. And Lamech is mentioned in the fourth chapter of Genesis, which if you're not a Bible person, is the first book of the Bible. And it's just a couple of generations after the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, and, 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 and their sons, and uh, Cain and, and, and Abel and and, and, and in order to understand his story, you have to start with Cain, Cain's story. Um, so Cain, the firstborn son of Adam and Eve, kills his younger brother Abel. Like he bashes him down and kills him 
where he stands out of jealousy. And the Bible says that Cain was afraid that someone would try to come and take revenge on him. And so God put a mark on him, which we don't know what the mark was, but we call it the mark of Cain. And God said that the mark would be a reminder that if anybody tried to take revenge on Cain, that if anybody killed him, that person would be avenged seven times over. The mark of Cain deal is kind of a, a warning because God realizes that once the human race gives in to its desire for revenge, it will eventually destroy itself. And we see that happening all over our world now. God says that human beings are not meant to take vengeance into their own hands. That he says, I'm a good record keeper. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. A couple of generations, Lamech, Lamech is born as a descendant of Cain, and we are told two things about, about him. Number one is that he's married to women, plural, named uh, Ada and Zillah. Nobody had ever done that before because it was quite clear in the first few chapters of Genesis um, that God's intention was that a man, this is what he says from the Bible, that a man should cling to his wife and the two should become one flesh. Yeah, so you're not supposed to have multiple spouses, right? Some of you are like, oh man, I thought that was in there. La, la, kidding. La, Lamech is the character who introduces polygamy to the human race, and he does it right out, out of the gates. And one day, somebody hurt Lamech, and we don't know any of the details. It might have been an accident, but probably it, it festered in him. He thought about it. And the more he thought about it, the more angry he got, the more vengeance he wanted. And that, that's the way, of course, that bitterness works. The more you think about it, the more toxic it becomes. And he decides one day, I'm going to get even. And so he picked up his rock, maybe literally, probably literally. And he killed somebody who had wounded him. And afterwards, he actually brags to his wife about it. Check a look on the, on, on the screen here. This is Genesis 4. This was a kind of poem in Hebrew. And these are the words of Lamech. Ada and Zillah, he's talking to his wife. Listen to me, wives of Lamech. Hear my words. I have, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. And then he references his ancestor. If Cain, remember that mark of Cain. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech will be, he's already going third person. Can you, can you get a witness on that? Then Lamech will be avenged 77 times. In other words, you thought it was bad to mess with Cain. That's nothing compared to messing with me. You don't mess with me. Several years ago, I was a youth pastor, and we were feeding homeless. I would take about 100 students down to downtown Houston, and we would feed homeless people. And one day, we're like, we got, we got just like a zillion donuts, kind of like today. Can I get an amen on the donuts out there? That's like manna. You know what I'm saying? Manna? Oh, anyways. Um, so we're passing out donuts, and I see this dude, like, giving me the stink eye. This little bitty dude over here, he's giving me the stink eye. And I'm like, what's this dude's deal, man? So I'm handing out donuts, and as I get close to hand him a donut, he's got a newspaper rolled up in his arm, and out of his newspaper, he pulls out a ch shank, man, like a prison shank. And he's like, you no make problem with me. And he's waving it around, and thankfully, I was like, dude, I'm just handing out donuts, brother. You know, stab a donut. Don't stab a brother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thankfully, these other homeless dudes got around me, and they're like, hey, man, don't jack with the donut bringer, dude. And they pushed him away, and the dude was just over there, give me the eye, and like he was from Honduras or something. No, make problem. He's yelling it from across the range. You no big problem with me. And I was like, just bringing a donut. You know what I'm saying? Well, this is what, this is what, this is what Lamech is doing here. He's like, hey, listen, you don't make problem with me, or I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hurt you bad, right? Now notice the math in his, his statement. Seventy 
times, or, or rather 77 times over. Like Cain's deal was like, you jack with me seven times. I'm going to jack you back. And Lamech's, Lamech's taking it to a how never level. You know what I'm saying? And this is the way that bitterness works. A bitter spirit is never satisfied. A bitter spirit never says, okay, I've inflicted enough pa- passive aggression on you. I've frozen you out long enough. Now um, it's, I feel content. It, it, it's never enough. A bitter spirit. And, and Jesus comes along and says, there's a lot of ways to kill a person. He says, in the Gospels, he says, you've heard it said that if you murder somebody, you know, it's a, it's a bad, it's a, you've broken a commandment. And he's like, no, no, I'm saying if you have evil in your heart towards somebody, you've murdered them. He's kicking it up a whole nother level, right? And, 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 and he said this to some, some people who prided themselves on their righteousness and on how religious they were because they never actually committed outright murder. He says, you know what? You may have never murdered, but if you think loving another person is just about murder avoidance, right? You are sadly mistaken. And there's a lot of ways that you can kill somebody. You can, you can do it with harsh words. You can do it with gossip. You can, but you can do it by trying to destroy what they've built, right? You, you, can, you can do it by cherishing anger and hostility in your heart for another person. You can just withdraw from them and use passive aggression against them. You know, and what's amazing is husband and wives, we do this all the time. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Right? Not me and my wife, just you guys, right? <laughs> I get into an argument over something small, and it grows bigger into something else. And while they may be fighting over who didn't pay the bill or who didn't clean up after the dog, the subtext is always, I'm working harder at this thing than you are, or my life is harder than yours. And the next thing you know, you just withdraw. Maybe you speak to the kids. You love on the kids, but you freeze out your spouse. And even, even when you're generally a nice person, it can get pretty dark right inside your own home. You keep doing this day after day, and if you keep doing this week after week, over time you find that where there, you had a heart of love towards a husband or, or a wife or towards a mom or a dad or towards a brother or sister or a friend or a coworker, one day you find... You're a stone carrier. And that's, that little pebble has grown into a big old boulder. And all of the joy and the generosity of spirit and the goodness and humanity is getting choked out of you slowly by, slow, slowly by, by little by little rather. You, you say to yourself, well, I'm no Lamech, man. I never, I never murdered anybody. That's true. But, but all the forces that conspire to crush love out of a human heart towards another human all the forces that conspire to keep you from ever becoming the kind of person that you want to be, and, and, and even more importantly, that God wants you to be. All the forces of judgmentalism and coldness and, and, and icy anger and frozenness and, 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 and bitterness and the meanness of spirit is, all of that stuff begins to work inside of you, and it's just a matter of a time until it pervades your whole spirit, your whole personality. We've all seen somebody like this, haven't we? Maybe they're older now and they still haven't forgiven something that happened in the past and it's just drained the joy and the life out of them. And every relationship they have is marred because of, of the stone that this person is carrying. But there is another way. Jesus Christ, the greatest man who ever lived, came from heaven to this earth. And I don't know what you think about Jesus. That's, that's up to you. But Jesus came, among other things, to proclaim to people 
Uh, in light of God's love, there is another alternative. There's another way that you can respond to the hurts of this life, to the wounds that have been inflicted upon you. It's called forgiveness. And he comes teaching about forgiveness. Forgiveness that he wants to give you, but forgiveness that he wants you to extend to others. Now, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, one of his followers, or early followers, comes up to Jesus one day. Like Lamech, he's been injured by somebody. We don't know who. We don't know what happened. We just know that he does. And it's probably, the scholars say, around the time of the Day of Atonement, which was the day that you would get forgiveness from God. Um, and it was also a day that if you didn't extend forgiveness, the, the, the Day of Atonement said you weren't going to get forgiveness from God. And so Peter's probably thinking about the Day of Atonement. There's all this festival that goes along with it for 10 days or, or something like that, around 10 days. And it's still something that happens now in Israel and it's probably on his mind, and so he's like, hey, Jesus, this is Matthew 18, how many times should I forgive my brother or a sister who's, who sins against me? And he's like, he doesn't let Jesus answer. He's like, up to seven times? And P Peter knows enough about the Jewish law to say that, that three times, four times, the, the religious people would say, you would have to forgive. But after that, you know, they're on their own. And so he's like upping the ante a little bit, and he, he's like, it occurs to Peter, you know, it's a day of atonement probably, and, and somebody's hurt me, and so I, I, Jesus, like, how come I have to keep forgiving him? How often do I have to keep forgiving him? Shouldn't he have to initiate the reconciliation? Shouldn't he have to make the first move? How many times do I have to forgive him? Like, up to seven times? He thinks, man, Jesus is gonna say, you're my best guy, right? Like your kids. You ever get onto one kid, and the other kid's all of a sudden the most generous and nice kid ever to you, right? Like, mom, look how much better I am than her, right? Now, that probably never happens in your house, right? This is what Peter's doing. He's like, hey, man, I'm gonna show Jesus how, how generous I am with my forgiveness. But, but Jesus doesn't say, well done, Peter. Look at, what, look at what he says. Again, this is recorded in Matthew. Jesus answers Peter. I tell you, not seven times, but what? 77 times. Now, where does Jesus get this number? Do you think he just pulled it out of thin air? No, no, Jesus knows the Old Testament backwards and forwards, and I believe, it's my opinion, could be wrong, but that he chooses this number very deliberately, that he's doing maybe a beautiful thing. He's now reversing the law of Lamech. It's been an operation since the beginning of time, the downward spiral of the human race, and he's saying, Peter, if you want to, you can keep track you can follow the law of Lamech. You can pick up a stone and you can carry it around. You can harbor bitterness and, and resentment and anger and hostility. You can carry around that, that stone the rest of your life. Or, or you can follow me. But you can't do both. You can show mercy you can forgive from your heart. You can seek to be reconciled with another person even if they don't initiate it. Peter, put down the stone. If you want to follow me, Peter, put down the stone. You can carry a grudge or you can follow me, Peter. Can't do both. And Jesus would go on in this very same passage of Mark, Matthew 18 and he would tell a story about this guy just to drive home to Peter and to anyone who would listen or read this later on how serious he was about this whole forgiveness thing. And he, he starts out at the crisis. It's a story about 
like in our day, would be like about a very large corporation and it undergoes a very intense audit and reveals something very highly irregular and highly unethical about its accounting practices. Of course, nothing would ever happen like this in our day. Enron, you know what I'm saying? Jesus' day, this would be something apparently that happens occasionally. And so we'll call him the CEO of this corporation. Jesus calls him the master in the story. There's a, they find out who has embezzled all of this money or who's been stealing from him. And it's a huge amount of money. And this is a key to the story. It, it was such an, a large amount of money that no single person could ever repay and pay it off. Another key to the story. When the CEO finds out about this employee and he calls the employee into his presence, the employee knows I'm in bad, bad trouble. I know how much I've stolen how much I owe. I'm going to be sent to jail because that's what you would do. You'd sent to a debtor's prison and oftentimes they would claim your children to help pay off the debt and you wouldn't get them back until the debt was paid. And so this employee falls down on his knees and begs for mercy and the CEO listens to him, has compassion for him and says, all right, not only will I not send you to jail, you don't have to pay the debt. I'll forgive the debt. Now, this is the key to understanding the story. In a situation like this, the debt doesn't just disappear. It's still gone. It's still out there. The money is lost. It's been stolen. Debts never just disappear. Right? You can lose the bill. How many of you know it's still there? Come on, can I get an amen on that? Somebody's got to pay. Who's going to take the loss? Who's going to pay the debt? In the story that Jesus tells, it's the CEO. The master is. And the stories of Jesus that he told were always Somebody's God in the story, and somebody's you in the story. That's how it always worked. Well, this employee is so relieved, and he leaves the master's presence, and he goes out to another employee, right? Another guy on the payroll, and, and he owes him a, a, a money, but it's like pocket change. And you'd expect that after having been forgiven a mountain of debt, that he would let this little pebble of debt go from his coworker. That he would show him mercy, but he doesn't. He seizes the guy literally around the throat, Jesus says, starts to choke him, and when he can't pay, he has him thrown in jail. And so when the CEO hears about how this employee treated that employee, he calls the employee back in for a second round, but the second round goes very, very different from the first round. And I want to pick it up in Matthew 18, verse 32. Then the master calls this servant in. You wicked servant, he says. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to, because you asked me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned over him over to the other jailers to be, look at this, not just like thrown in jail, but tortured until he should pay back the debt he owed, which he could never pay back. And then this breathtaking verse. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. He's talking to Peter now and to us. Unless you forgive your brother, your mother, your father, your ex-wife, your ex-spouse, your whatever, from, look, look, from your what? Your heart. Not, not from your mouth. From your heart. Now, I just, I want to just stop for a moment and leave those words up on the screen and just, I want you to look at them. I want, I want that to sink in. The, these are, words that I think are some of the most sobering words in all of the Bible. And, and there's a whole lot of people, and to tell you the truth, a whole lot of Christians 
who live as if Jesus didn't really say this, as if Jesus didn't really mean this when he said, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive others from your heart. Jesus says to us that if we're walking around with unresolved bitterness and resentment and if we refuse to do the work of forgiveness and, and to seek reconciliation with other people, that we're at severe spiritual risk. Can you interpret this any other way? I'll tell you what I think. And I say this from my own, my own life. I think that the only way that, that allows one human to withhold forgiveness from somebody else, the, it, to walk around carrying the stone, the grudge, is when I forget, when I, when I live in a kind of denial of the infinitely greater amount of forgiveness that I have needed from God himself. That my forgiveness came at the cross, at the cost of the cross. That it came at the price of the death of Jesus. That's how much it cost for my forgiveness. And I think the only way that I can harden my heart and my spirit up and choke somebody out and choke them out with, with withdrawing or passive aggression or ignoring them or, or however do it is to, is to tell somebody else, I'm not going to forgive you for that, is when I forget how deeply stained by sin that I am. How very large a debt that Jesus paid. A debt I could not pay. Jesus paid it all. So Jesus is saying here that to the extent that we surrender our tendencies to condemn others, to withhold from others, to judge others, to not forgive others, and are able instead to forgive, to that extent we will be able to experience the fullness and the forgiveness of God himself. That's what Jesus is saying here. That, that a life of judgment and condemnation and unforgiveness is us being thrown into prison and it's a kind of torture. That's what Jesus is saying. And we find ourselves then focusing not on the good that we have in our lives, our, our spiritual lives, our joy, our, our joyful relationships, but on the, on the failings of others. Our focus goes off into what we have and what we've been blessed with to the failings of another. And it brings resentment. And it, and it empties us out. It pokes holes in us and empties us out of joy. But, but when we let go of the judgment and, and live in the grace that we've been given, it also frees us and we move past the demand that everyone pay me back. That I get even, that I get restitution. And as a result, our own quality of life increases. Why should I forgive, Danny? Well, it's good for you. It's best for you. I, I don't know about you guys, but in my house, we're a bunch of spillers. Anybody have this going on in your house? Like, my daughters love them. They're not here on the front row. Maybe they're somewhere else, but I have one daughter in particular. I won't name her. She loves to spill her glass all over the table and wherever we're at. Just knock it over. She gets really happy and laughy and psh, there it goes. My wife occasionally, not going to throw her under the bus, but occasionally over there, she kind of does that. Um, kidding. But me, man, my deal is I like to spill it on my, on my, my food, on my shirt. Anybody with me on this? Like, like matter of fact, it's so bad that I, I just think when I'm eating spaghetti, like, I'm just going to start out by smearing a little bit of this on here just to get it over with and out of the way. 
Like, and I don't know about you, but like, I always have like a little spot of orange. I don't know why it's always orange, but it's always orange. I, apparently, I eat a lot of orange things. And, you know, and, and what's crazy is you forget about it. You hang it back up, right, if you're like me. And so you're ironing it, ironing it, get all the collar right, the cuffs right. You turn it over to the last little bit, and you're like, oh, there's a stain. Oh, who's going to see it? Come on, amen, anybody? <laughs> Most times, if you look at me closely, I got a stain on me. Like, I'm a walking... I'm a walking stain. You know, testimony from the writers of Scripture is very consistent on this mark that spiritually I am deeply stained by sin. More deeply than you can imagine, just to the core, I'm a walking stain of pride, of self-centeredness, of cowardice, fears, deception, That's of apathy. That's the truth about me because I have access into my own inner world. It's a deeper truth to me than anybody else could know. But the Bible says that it's true about all of us, every one of you, myself included, that the cost of our forgiveness to God, it was monumental. It cost him his life to forgive me, to forgive you. Therefore, there's only one safe place to take that stone of, of, of a grudge or unforgiveness, and that is to lay it down at the foot of Jesus' cross, to let it go. So that was kind of why we should forgive. And let me finish over the last few moments with the how we forgive. How do we forgive like Jesus did? A couple thoughts. They're very simple, obvious things. First of all, you pray and you ask God to help you do this, right? You pray, God, I need your help. This is a very hard thing to do. Would you help me do this? And while you're praying, you may want to pray for the person who... Um, who's hurt you. What? Well, this is exactly what Jesus, is, Jesus teaches in Luke 6, right? Verse 27, but to those of you who are listening, I say, this is Jesus, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. What? Yeah, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And some of you are like, I'll pray for them all, right? God, give them, give them hemorrhoids like the worst case ever. In Jesus' name, I, whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Give it to them, I pray, right? Let the fleas of a thousand camels infest their lives, right? We had this buddy, man, me and my friend would, we would go to the prayer room at our church and this dude would like to pray aloud and he'd be walking around praying, you know, and he would pray in a preacher voice. Like he was a white dude, but he'd pray like T.D. Jakes. God, I pray for my brother. He's unsaved. Lord, let him be involved in a terrible car wreck if you have to, but just save his soul. And we're like. <laughs> so we would, we would always take it. He would pray horrible things over his brother. It was his little brother, man. And he'd do it in a preacher voice, which I guess makes him get closer to God. I don't know. Maybe God, is, oh, that's a preacher's voice. Oh, listen to that. So we'd be like, we'd take it out, we'd be like, Lord, if you got to let him be gored by a wild bull, just save your soul, God. You know, terrible things like stuff I can't even tell you at church because it would be bad, real bad. We took it to a place that it shouldn't have gone. Like, oh, that's kind of what I do, right? <laughs> you don't pray like that. That's not what I'm saying. But you pray for them. And you make a daily decision to wake up and pray a prayer, God, I forgive him. I forgive her. Lord, bless her. Bless him. Give him grace, Lord. 
open their eyes to see the pain that they inflict on other people, but help them, God, and give me the grace to move forward. And That's a hard thing to do and mean it, isn't it? Come on, that's real, right? I prayed for somebody who hurt me deeply in, in my own life, and I didn't mean it. But I, I knew the power of prayer, and I kept praying it until one day I realized I actually meant it. I actually felt, God, I really do want you to bless him. I really do want you to help him. And I knew that the Holy Spirit's work in me was progressing on that day. And oftentimes, the way that this comes about best is through recovery. And we, we've offered recovery around here, and I've, I went through recovery myself, and and, and I realized that so much of what I had been doing was wrong, and I was a pastor, and I remember you get to the middle part of this deal where you do an inventory of the people who've harmed you and the people that you've harmed, and you balance that scale out, and, and that the, the cure to all of it is forgiveness. And by the way, ladies, we're offering recovery this semester in fall groups, and we can hook you up with that. It will really help you in this area. But, but I want you to think about Jesus on the cross, Remember? There are people yelling at him. There are people mocking him. There are people, you know, spitting on him, slapping him, beating him, and other horrific things. The, like the, the creation is mocking the, the, the creator. And Jesus, in response to this, looks up to heaven and says, what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, not, not, not after it's happened, while it's happening. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Like, wow, how, how, how do you do that? Here's the honest truth about this. The prayers that you may pray for them and over them may not do one thing to change them. But here's what I do know from my own personal experience, that the prayers changed me changed my heart towards my, what I would have considered an enemy. They, they allowed me to break free from the past, from the chains that I had, I had allowed this person to inflict on me. And I'm still working on some of that stuff. It's a process, right? But prayer changes things. Amen, somebody? Pray, and you just start and pray, and it will be very difficult at first. And I don't want to minimize your pain, but you start there, and, and God can start to do a work in your heart, even if he doesn't in somebody else's. You start with prayer. And then thought very, number two, very simple. It's forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. I've shared this with you before, but it's so important. It's a decision, not a feeling. A decision is what engages this process, what begins this process. It's a daily decision where you wake up and say, God, I need you to help me today to forgive so-and-so until you actually mean it. Forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. Because listen to me, if, if you think about somebody who's really done you wrong in your life, think about somebody real quickly. If you have a person in your mind, right, think about it. Maybe it's the clown from fifth grade that you're still scared of because of, he, like, had a scary face. I don't know, what, whatever it is. But, th but think about that person that, you, that, that, that harmed you. Do you feel like doing good things for them, or do you feel like, feel like punching them in the throat? Come on, somebody. Just me. You guys leave me, hang, hang me, leave me out here hanging up here. I see how it is. Right? You, it, it's a, this is why it's got to be a decision or you'd never forgive them. Like, like, so we, we never feel ourselves into an action related to this stuff. We act ourselves into a feeling. The Bible says that we walk by faith, meaning we don't, we, he says we don't walk by sight. We, don't, we walk by faith, meaning we take steps forward even when we don't know how it's going to turn out. We, we, we act ourselves into feeling. That's what happened to me. I kept praying for this guy until one day my heart agreed with what I was saying out of my mouth. 
Forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. And God's not asking you to forgive someone because they deserve it. God's asking you to forgive so you can have the best life, so you can move on in life. You make the decision to cancel their debt, to pay the debt, and that's a hard thing to do because to forgive means oftentimes that we will never get from that person what that person owed us. You know, you never know how strong a person you are until you have to forgive somebody who's never said they're sorry. Accept an apology that's never been offered. Can I say that again? You never know how strong you are as a person until you've had to forgive somebody who isn't sorry and accept an apology that was never given. And I know that forgiveness means wiping the slate clean. I know it means I'm letting the person off the hook even though they don't deserve it. I know it feels wrong on so many levels, especially when everything in me wants them to pay. And they haven't, not to my satisfaction. But, but let me ask you something. How is, how is your way working for you? How, how is carrying the stone, how's that working for you? How's that revenge plan working out? Do you feel better about you? Yeah, yeah, but Danny, man, you, you don't know how my dad treated us. You, you don't know what my wife did to me. You, you don't know what that man did to me when I was a little kid. You don't realize the conditions that I grew up in. You know what, man? You're right. I, I don't know. But God does. And he promises us that he will rectify all accounts. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And at the end of the day, you can choose to let go of this or what? Carry that stone around with you the rest of your life. Man, is that really what you want to be doing? Or could you make a call? Could you write a letter? Could you go have a little ceremony? Maybe you write down, here's the debt that I think my dad owes me. I'm going to crumple this up. I'm going to bury it. I'm going to burn this debt as a symbolic action. I'm going to ask a friend. I'm going to tell him so I can have, have accountability. Hey, man, I want you to know I'm forgiving my dad from this day forward. What he did, what he said, how he hurt me. I'm letting that go. Would, would, you, would you ask me every so often how I'm doing? From this day forward, I'm making a decision in this room to forgive this person. Because at some point, we have to deal with the fact that what is done is done and can't be undone. Like even if the person were to come back and say, what can I do? They can't undo a stolen childhood, a stolen innocence. They can't undo that. And the result of, cancel, of you canceling the debt is freedom from those chains and, and, and the chance to have a future unfettered by resentment and grudges from the past. It takes the power away from them over you, over your mind, over your heart and we get our lives back. It's a decision. It's a decision, not a feeling. And lastly, quickly, and I'm done. I've given you this before, but it's so important. Forgiveness is a journey, not a destination. It's a process not an event like I can pray right now hey God forgive so and so that doesn't mean I've forgiven them it's just the start of it you know we're we're all hanging out here in church and, and I've, been in, I've been in a lot of sermons in my lifetime where somebody preached about forgiveness it's one of those church type words that you hear in sermons and it's usually accompanied by some trite phrases or some cheesy platitudes about moving on and letting go and it's real quick and like hey just do this and you're good but it's not that easy 
Like some of you would say, Danny, I've, I've tried, man. I've prayed. I've tried Jesus. I've asked God to help me with this. And it's like, you ever been vacuuming and you're vacuuming and you can't get up that one little piece? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, seriously, man? And you get it from all these kind of angles and you're like, come on, man. And then you finally pick it up, right? And what do you do? You throw it back down, don't you? You throw it back down because you're like, I will conquer this thing by the power of Jesus. And some of us, man, it's like that. No matter how many different angles I've approached this with, I can't get it to come up. It's got a hold on me. See, despite people's well intentions, Christianity can't always be reduced down to bumper stickers and t-shirt theology. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a struggle. You know what I'm saying? The truth is that there is some stuff that happens to us in life that nobody can explain. No one can answer why people that we loved and trusted hurt us so badly. Why people we trusted left us, abandoned us. Why jobs disappeared. Why, why, why sickness, or why, why somebody abused us. Why, why daddy left us when we were babies and why he abused me. Why sickness came. Why, why somebody we loved was taken unexpectedly. And it's not so easy as, hey man, just get over it, man. Get on with life, you know. Pray a little prayer and be done. It's not that easy. And that's why it's a process. It's a journey. It's not an event. It's not a destination. And you have to get real on that. And you have to own that it's not going to happen overnight. But you have to start somewhere. And you bring the stone to Jesus. You bring it all and say, Jesus, I need your help and grace in this area of my life. I'm going to start this process today. I want to pray over you. Would you bow your heads with me and would you close your eyes. I know that there are some of you who are in this place today who would say, Danny, I, I don't, I'm not a Jesus follower. I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never surrendered my heart to Jesus. I've never asked him to be to forgive my sins. But maybe you want to do that in light of what Jesus has, you've seen he's done for you. In light of the cross. In light of, of the gospel. In light of what's offered. Salvation. I want to respond. And so Lord Jesus, I come to you you can pray along with me. I come to you, Lord Jesus, with all of my hurts and with all of my baggage and with all of my past, and I bring it to you. I lay it down at your feet. I ask you to be the Lord of my life, the forgiver of my sins. God, I'm tired of trying to do it my way. I want to, I want to follow you. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Would you be my Lord? Would you be my guide? I believe that you died on a cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead. I confess you with my mouth. You are Lord and you are my Savior. Come live in me, Jesus. Quickly, nobody's looking around. If you prayed that with us this morning or anything like that, would you just raise your hands quickly? We just want to see that. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So many hands in this service, so many hands in the first service. And the Bible says that when somebody does this, that heaven rejoices. And so we rejoice as a congregation. We rejoice in, 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 in your decision today to follow Jesus. But I want to finish by praying over those of you who would say, Danny, man, it's something big in my life. You have no idea what I've been through. God, I'm praying for those who would say, you don't know how hard it is to let go of what's been done to me. I would say to them, Lord, that in light of what you've done for me, we have no choice but to forgive. And it may not happen in a moment, but Lord, we start the process today. God, 
And I want you to pray this right now, if you will. God, I forgive and you fill in the blank. God, I cancel the debt that they owe me today. God, I know that I'm going to need your help and your grace and the power of your spirit to do this. I may need recovery. I may need to go see a counselor. I may need to join a small group. But by your help and grace, I will be the best version of myself. I will let go of the chains of the past and I will do this by your help, by your grace. I let down the stone today. I put it in your hands. I take your hands. I take your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said amen.